this is episode 106 with Justin and Adrian Crocker. Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. What's up, Path to Freedom listeners? Thanks for dropping into another episode. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Justin and Adrian Crocker. Justin and I were introduced through a mastermind group that we're both part of for franchise owners. He reached out. We had a couple of really good conversations, and I said, hey, man, you got to come on the podcast and share this story. So in this episode, you'll hear Justin and Adrian's background, both serving in the military, uh, Justin for really the entirety of his professional career up to this point, was in the Army, Green Beret, Special Forces, went on to work in the Pentagon, and now they find themselves as multi-unit franchise owners in a boutique fitness franchise company. So a lot of interesting information that Justin and Adrian share about how, you know, as veterans of the military and planning to transition entirely out of the military, which had been so much of their life up to that point, you know, a lot of kind of fear and anxiety around what comes next. You know, what's life after the military going to look like? And Justin was introduced to franchising through some transition programs that the military uh, made available to to folks that were transitioning out like Justin was. And, you know, it wasn't something he'd been considering prior to that, but it piqued his interest. He learned more went through a very similar process that I take the people I work with through, you know, to really get clear on is franchise ownership, right? If so, what is the right type of franchise business and how do we do the research the right way to make sure that we're making a good decision. So really interesting uh, experience and advice that Justin and Adrian are now able to share. Uh, having gone through that process, they're very early on in launching their franchise business. So, you know, they've still got a lot that they will accomplish as franchise owners, but a lot of really valuable advice that that they're sharing for anyone else that's considering, you know, transitioning into business ownership and, you know, maybe in a position where they know they need to be thinking about what comes next, but they don't quite know what that what that is or what that should look like. So tons of good info here. Without further ado, let's drop in with Justin and Adrian Crocker. Hey, what's up, Path to Freedom listeners? Thanks for dropping into another episode. I've got a very special episode today. I'm joined by Justin and Adrian Crocker. Um, I've gotten to know Justin a little bit, really just over the last couple of weeks, and i um, really glad that Justin reached out and we were able to connect because they've got 
a really fascinating story and I think some some really exciting experience to share with the audience that's going to really resonate. So with that, Justin, Adrian, thank you guys so much for making time to join me here on the podcast. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I appreciate once, since we connected, I, I got to listen to a few of your podcasts and it's a lot of us resonated. So happy to be here. Yeah, good. I'm glad we got, we got connected through a, a mutual acquaintance, um, Eric Van Horn, who's been on the show at least twice, I think. Um, and, uh, you know, he does some mastermind groups and stuff. So you guys are actually new franchise owners and you came across Eric's mastermind and joined and, and that's kind of how we ended up connecting. So, you know, share a little bit with us just about, you know, your background, how franchising even kind of popped onto your radar and and where you guys are at in the the franchise journey. Yeah, uh, I'll go ahead and start. Uh, so I recently retired from the army, uh, 20 year. Uh, I started out as a enlisted uh, kid back in 1998, went to school at Ohio State. Um, that's where we, we met. Um, graduated there in 2005 and then continued on as a commission officer um spent the last 10 years or so as a special forces officer mostly out of fort bragg there in north carolina just a, a couple hours from you yep um my last assignment was in the pentagon uh so i was a, a director for domestic counterterrorism and, and working some policy stuff for the office of the secretary of defense um you know, I know we're going to dig into a lot of like twists and turns on uh, how we ended up, how a Green Beret ended up in financing or in, in, uh, in franchising. Uh, but before we do that, I'll let Adrian give her, give her background. Awesome. Yeah, that's uh, our stories did start uh, together at Ohio State as ROTC cadets. And um, I spent seven years on active duty in the military as communications and electronics officer. Um, after, I guess it was about 2012, I left the service and was originally planning to work in the nutrition field. I got mm. some master's work done, but um, life's twists and turns changed that. And I became a stay-at-home parent to our two young children, currently three and seven. And that's honestly for the last almost 10 years, that's what I've been doing. So this is a, a whole new world for me to step back into the workforce um, at an entrepreneurial level at that. So I'm excited yeah. to get started though. Well, Hey, we've got young kids too. So I, I know that's a full-time job and then some, um, <laughs> so much respect to that. And, and thank you guys both for, for your service. So, so you guys met at Ohio state and I, I think you said in ROTC. So did you guys both kind of know that, you know, after college you wanted to go into the military? Yeah, we were both um, scholarship cadets there, so we were obligated. Ah, okay. Uh, we were obligated. <laughs> yeah, four, yeah, four years. Gotcha. Um, I, I enlisted at first when I was 17. Uh, oh, so really? Up until my official retirement date was actually six days ago on the 1st of October. So from, you know, the time I was 17 until till now, I'll be 42 at the end of this month. The, the Army is really all I knew. Um, but yeah, so I, I knew at, at Ohio State that that we were going to be in. I, I don't know if we knew that it was going to be a career for either of us or one of us, but, um, you know, I, I certainly enjoyed the, the army. I certainly enjoyed what I was doing in the army. Um, and so the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the decision to continue on, I, I don't think anybody goes into the army initially thinking, Hey, they're going to stay a career. I think most people would jo you know, join saying they're either going to go in to, to get college paid for, or they're going to go in to see how they like it. Yeah. You know, and, and, mm -hmm. and a career kind of sneaks up on you. I mean, li literally like 
when I was in the Pentagon and I was contemplating leaving the service, you know, I kind of, I had these moments of like, man, I feel like I just joined. Like, <laughs> how, how did I end up stay, staying in for 20 years? Yeah, I mean, I could I could see that, you know, where, like you said, it kind of sneaks up on you. Next thing you know, it's been 10 years. And, you know, at that point, the the benefits and the incentives to stay in are getting better and better, I would assume. Um, and you said at the Pentagon, your focus was domestic counterterrorism. I don't, yeah. I don't think I even want to hear any of those <laughs> stories because it, it might keep me from sleeping at night. Yeah. Um, it's a crazy world that we live in right now, but um, may, maybe I'll, I'll uh, get the courage up to ask you about some of that <laughs> uh, at a later time. Um, but, you know, and something that, that I'm sure we'll get into in this conversation today is, you know, I know from my time in franchising that veterans of the military tend to really thrive as business owners. And franchisors know that too, right? I mean, to the point where maybe not all, but a lot, or at least most of the franchise brands I work with actually have incentives for veterans, you know, where there's some discounts on the initial franchise fees and in some cases, maybe even some deeper incentives than that. So that's something that they recognize. But, you know, you kind of alluded to this earlier, you know, how did a Green Beret end up now as a franchise owner? So, you know, tell us a little bit about your experience, you know, as you're approaching retirement from the military and, you know, how you started wrapping your head around what comes next. You know, what's this next chapter of your life going to look like? Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting, I'd say, year year long process. So um, we, we moved to D.C. in January of 2021. I actually took the domestic counterterrorism job like days after uh january 6th uh which just <laughs> added to the complexity of the of the job i, I bet um, i bet <laughs> yeah um so you know i i had just just prior to that i had been deployed uh i was deployed to east africa uh we actually deployed right at the beginning of covid mm. um not knowing like hey is this the end of the world how's all this going to shake out um, you know, left her with the, with the two young kids, very, you know, pr pretty stressful time, obviously oh, I bet. Uh, came back from, yeah, came back from that trip and said, Hey, that's, that's the last one for me. I'm never going to deploy again. Um, but the reality is, is if you're, you know, you're in the army and particularly if you're, you know, a special operations and, and a special operations leader, um, de deploying as a part of the gig, like you're just going to, you're going to be gone. Yeah. Uh, and so I think we, we both kind of realized like, Hey, you know, retirement is, is right. Um, but we didn't know exactly how that looked once I retired. Right. Uh, I think initially our, our assumption was we were going to stay in DC. Um, you know, I was going to stay in national security or get a corporate job, uh, you know, do the suit and tie, you know, commuting gig. Right. Yeah. Uh, stay, stay in the, stay in the rat race is, is, you know, well, that's, that's the path a lot of veterans take, right. Especially special forces mm -hmm. folks, right. They, they end up doing contract work or, you know, somehow or another getting into the, the corporate world. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, it's one of the things I was fortunate enough once I decided to retire, uh, I was I was fortunate enough by some mentors to be directed towards a couple nonprofits that help veterans and help special operations leaders transition out, right? Um, because a, a lot of a lot of guys kind of go out on their own. 
Uh, they think, hey, I'm, you know, I've, I've been successful in the army or I've been successful in the military. I'm, I'm going to get out and I'm going to be just as successful in the civilian world. And the reality is if you, if you don't think through that transition, you can end up, you, you can end up in a good job making good money, sure. but you'll also be miserable, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and that yeah. was, that was the thing that was scaring me the most was we were on this track of, you know, staying in DC, you know, I was going to throw on a suit and tie. I was going to go to a big, you know, either a big federal building or a corporate headquarters somewhere um, and just kind of continue the the rat race, probably, probably make decent money. But there was something that was telling me that wasn't what was going to make us happy. Um, well, especially if if part of the motivation for retiring was, you know, to be able to spend more time with the family and, and the young kids. I mean, you may not have been deployed and out of the country, you know, with, you know, staying in D.C. and, and um, you know, taking some sort of a, a position there, but still probably wouldn't have had the flexibility that it sounds like was was part of the motivator for you. Yeah. Yeah. There, um, you know, the and flexibility is you bring up that, you know, one of the one of the things that, you know, one of the nonprofits that, that helped tra- me transition out, helped me think through was you know, really like doing a values assessment and figuring mm-hmm. out like, what are, what are my values, right? Like in the army, since I was 17, the army had kind of told me what my values are, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they come standard with the, with the gun and, and the, the kit, right? Like you, you also get a, you also get values <laughs> and they're values that are important to that culture. Standard right? issue though, right? Standard issue value, yeah. right? Here's your values. Don't, don't go outside of the box. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it's not that obviously that strict, but um, you know, the army doesn't necessarily lend itself to you exploring what your values are. Mm-hmm. So when you're faced with transition, you know, you, you kind of make this assumption that, well, this is my, this is my world, national security service, you know, uh, this is the the brand that I need to stay in, but there was just something pulling, pulling on me saying, Hey, I, I don't think that's what's going to make you and your family happy. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to give you, you know, one of my values was flexibility, was autonomy, um, you know, and and those just aren't necessarily things that lend itself to the DC grind. Um, and so the idea of being an entrepreneur was, was always something that was intriguing to me, but I don't think we really understood how, like, what what is it like? I think most people say, yeah, working for yourself would be awesome, but how, how do you... Like, what does that mean? Right? right. Yeah. How do you, I think a lot of people are like, well, I don't have like this revolutionary business idea, right? Like I don't have the the next best app or, right. you know, whatever the case is. So, so where do you get started? Um, so I think you're building up to this, but how did, how did franchising enter the equation for you? Yeah. So um, the, you know, the army does a really good job. If you, if you, if you do your homework and you, and by you, I mean like the person that's, that's transitioning out, yeah. if you take it upon yourself to really own your transition, the army does offer quite a bit of, you know, like educational avenues for you to learn about different, different avenues. Right. Sure. Yeah. So one of the things that nonprofit helped me out with was thinking creatively about the transition, right? Don't limit yourself to just contracting or just corporate or just suit and tie, right? Like there's a whole world out there. So that for me, it was a mindset shift of, okay, Mm -hmm. there's, there's more out there. Let me, let me explore a little bit more. And the only way to do that is educate yourself. So, yeah. So I took part in a two day course called boots to business. 
Um, it's a part of the transition assistance program that all services have, right? And I thought, well, you know, this is interesting to me. Maybe, maybe I'll just sit in this class for two days. It was two days I didn't have to sit in the Pentagon, which is nice. Yeah, right. Field trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and you know, the 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 guy that was teaching the course was uh, pretty knowledgeable. He, he presented a very short, maybe thirty minute uh, clip on franchising. Um, he actually did another class that was specific to franchising for a couple hours. And that that's what, when the light bulb really went off for me, because I just like probably a lot of the other people that are interested in franchising or interested in business ownership, but don't know what that means. Yep. Their, their, their thoughts of franchising are, are the typical thoughts of franchising, right? It's the fast foods. French fries. Yep. French fries. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, like green berets are good at a lot of things, but probably not making French fries. Yeah. Yeah. Or they'd be bored out of their mind, <laughs> you know, after bored, like yeah. a day of it. Um, yeah. So Adrian, I'm curious. So it sounds like, uh, Justin, you kind of went through these classes and, and first of all, because you shared some of this with me when we first spoke, and I love hearing that these types of resources are out there for uh, the military transitioning out. But to your point, it's you've got to take advantage of it, right? It's not like they're forcing you to, to you know, leverage these resources that they're providing. So, you know, credit to you for saying, hey, I'm willing to explore some other options because a lot of people don't for for one reason or another. But Adrian, I'm curious, you know, for you, what were your initial thoughts when Justin came back and said, hey, I'm doing this, you know, uh, boots to business kind of boot camp. And, you know, they're talking about franchising. And I think it's something that we should look into. Were you were you on board immediately or were you a little bit skeptical? Like, hey, this is kind of coming out of left field. Oh, it was definitely out of left field. But <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I was pretty much on board immediately. Honestly, I've, I've kind of. um you know, I joined the military as well at 18 and did not get accepted into the branch that I really wanted. So mm. as an adult, I've never really, I enjoyed my time in the military, but I've never gotten to work in the field that I was more passionate about. Sure. So I'm just kind of, you know, trying to be flexible and just fill the parenting role. And um, yeah, I was really excited though, when he, when he did um, introduce me to the the franchise uh, broker, he kind of took both of us under our wings. And thankfully, some of the other military resources offer that as well. They yeah. they try to include and encompass the spouse who may have put their life or their career on hold for the military service member. 100%. So I was kind of open to open to anything. And I think we got really lucky both with the the franchise broker, the franchise uh, coach that we mm -hmm. used he really included me in the process fully. Well, that's good. I'm glad yeah. to hear that. Cause I think that's for sure the, the right approach. I can't speak as much to, you know, the other resources that were mm -hmm. available to you, but you know, when I work with people through a similar process, if there's a spouse or, or a partner involved in my experience, they need to be included, whether they have any intention to play an active role mm -hmm. in the business or not. Um, you know, and the, the example I give to some, cause sometimes, uh, no offense, Justin, but it sounds like you were, you were not in this category anyways, but sometimes, you know, I'm talking with a, a guy and there's some ego and he's like, well, she's, you know, she doesn't need, it's my decision. Like she doesn't need to be involved. And I'm like, Hey man, would you go buy a house without letting your wife look at it and like take a tour of it first? And usually they're like, yeah, good point. All right. We'll get her on the next call. And I'm like, I yeah. mean, you know, it's, it's the smart thing to do. You're in it together. And 
you both need to get access to the same information. Otherwise, one of the two, right, whoever's kind of leading the process, if they get excited about something, the spouse isn't up to speed on everything they've learned about it. I've seen people have to turn around and try to sell their spouse on mm -hmm. why they want to do this. And that's a tough spot to be in. And I've seen, I've just seen uh, rocky situations result from that. So I'm glad to hear that that was the, the experience that you guys had that kind of both got, you know, pulled under this franchise coach's wings and, and he took you both through the process. And in my opinion, that's how it should be done. Yeah, he, he was he was fantastic. Uh, spent a lot of time getting to know us before he even presented the brands to us. Um, and, you know, for, for me, I, there was a couple things with bringing Adrian into in the fold right from the beginning. One was, you know, it, just like you said, like if you're going to make a life shift like this, like you, the spouse has to know what's yeah. what's going on. No um, and then two, like, the, the idea of like a business partnership between the two of us was also really intriguing. Like, and what we're finding, and we're still very much early in, in the, the, the journey, but if, if you can partner with your spouse in a business perspective, you know, and getting a business going and running a business, Hey man, that's, that's a force multiplier, right? Like one plus Definitely. one, three there, <laughs> because now you've got, you know, instead of, instead of one person grinding out 60 hours a week, you got two people, that are sharing burden sharing on the business burden sharing on the family. Like there's just a lot of things that you can leverage if you're in business with your spouse. No doubt. If you don't, if you don't do it, you're still living these two very separate lives of one is taking care of the kids. The others running the business. Um, and you're probably not leveraging, you know, some of the, the, you know, the, the, the benefits that come with being, you know, be having a partner. Yeah. Um, it gives so it you, was, it gives you the chance to, kind of divide and conquer, right? Because one of the things I spend a ton of time talking about with people that I work with early in the process, way before we start talking about specific industries or certainly specific brands is we talk about, you know, what do you want your role as a business owner to look like, right? And also with that, what do you want your lifestyle to look like? Especially, you know, once you've had a chance to kind of get the business established. Um, and so usually there's some component of, hey, we want flexibility, we want freedom of our time. And, you know, to your point, that's tough to do if if only one of the two of you are working on it. It doesn't have to even be like 50-50 necessarily. Like if one of the two can kind of just support in the background and take certain things off of, you know, the primary operator's plate, that's still giving you more flexibility. And, you know, I hate seeing people go into business for themselves for all the reasons we've talked about, but then end up with less of that because they've essentially bought themselves a job, yeah. um, which is something we can probably, you know, touch on a little bit uh, later in the conversation. But sounds like, you know, the the gentleman you guys worked with has a pretty similar, you know, approach to to mine, which is let's first, you know, make sure you're both your your inputs both being taken into account. And then let's kind of define, you know, what your day-to-day -day life looks like, because that's going to really give someone a good indication of what types of franchises could make sense and and what ones could not. So, you know, tell us a little bit about, and if there's more to kind of the, the process leading up to you having some actual brands recommended to you, feel free to share that. But, you know, what did that, 
experience kind of look like as you first start getting some actual options to evaluate? Were they the types of businesses that you were expecting or did they feel like they were kind of coming out of left field? Like, what did that look like? Um, yeah, just going back really quick to a couple things, particularly, you know, anybody that's looking to pivot, but particularly, you know, it, for, for those in the military, you know, there's two things I mentioned. One of them was do a values assessment to really understand what your values are. Yeah. Uh, and really take time to understand that. Cause if you understand values and then you understand what does your perfect day look like? Yes. Right? If you can mirror yeah. those together. Like, and that's what the broker helped us with was, you know, Hey, here, here's some things that I want to encompass in my life, flexibility, autonomy, time with family. Um, but then here's how I want my day to look. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if they know that, then, then they can, they can bring brands to you that are going to be, that are going to lend itself to the type of life you want to live. Um, but yeah, so going into, um, we were, we were pretty excited about, we had been working with them for a couple weeks couple weeks mm -hmm. two or three weeks before yeah. he even presented brands to mm -hmm. us good the, the phone call where he presented three brands to us was very quick it was you know, he's like hey this is going to be quick because i don't want you to ask me a bunch of questions you're going to go and kind of discover this for yourselves yep um we were convinced before before he presented brands to us we were convinced that what we wanted was a home-based services model right like mm -hmm. um doing something where it's, you know, either, uh, you know, um, elderly care, home care, uh, home restoration, like yep. something that was going to, we were going to be able to run out of our house. We were not afraid of brick and mortar, but I just, I was convinced I don't, I don't want a location. I want to work out of my house. I, that to me was the flexibility. And the right. Outside. Yeah. Flexibility also typically keeps your investment a little bit lower and you don't have mm -hmm. as, as much overhead expenses, but um, so that's interesting. So that's kind of where your, your head was at initially, what you were thinking. We yeah. yeah. It's definitely what we thought we wanted. Um, and we, we had made that clear to him, right? Hey, here's kind of what we want. Um, and so the, the call that he presented the brands, he presented two, he's presented three total to us. Two were home services, home run out of a home operated kind of businesses. One was a, um, like a home restoration, home remodeling business. Mm -hmm. Another was a home inspection business. And then the third was a brick and mortar women's only kickboxing gym. <laughs> and so it was out of left field. And, and, you know, we, we, we listened to it. Um, and then we said, Hey, yep. Looking forward to kind of going to the discovery center and looking at this. And we hung up and I, I think I turned to Adrian. Mm -hmm. I was like, what, what was that? Like, yeah. where, where what? did that, did he yeah. get us confused with someone else he's working with? Like, yeah, it was that what just happened like, there? Was that one he just pulled, he's like, oh, I need three. So I'm just going to pull this one. <laughs> just throw that up and on it was, the wall. It was, it was completely, not complete opposite of what we told him we wanted, but it was pretty different. Pretty right? different. Yeah. Well, look, yeah. I laugh because it's probably my favorite thing about what I do with the people I work with. And when I do these kind of brand introduction calls, I always do it on zoom because I want to see the reaction. Right. And, you know, there's usually at least one, I usually, you know, start with three recommendations and there's always at least one that's, I know is going to feel like a complete wild card, you know, coming out of left field. Um, but one of the things I do, which is interesting um, to see is, you know, at the end of that introduction call, and I keep it very high level too, because, you know, naturally someone starts talking to you about a business opportunity. I mean, a thousand questions are going to pop into your head, which is good. 
because we'll talk more about the process you guys went through to actually do the research and get answers to these questions. Um, I could probably answer most of the initial questions that are going to pop into someone's head, you know, for the brands I'm recommending, but I want the franchisor to answer those questions, yep. right? I don't want to, you know, even if I say it's slightly different than how they would answer it, like that's a disservice to to the person asking the question, right? It's better for everyone involved, um, you know, for, for me to kind of step out at that point, let the two of you connect, start going through the actual research process that the franchisor has in place. And then I'm there as a guide, right? To say, hey, look, here's where you are in the process. Here's some resources to help you navigate the next couple of steps. Um, sure, it was pretty similar for you guys. But so anyways, wanted to touch on that. But at the end of the the call, when I introduce brands, I always say, hey, just gut feeling, rank them one, two, three for me, right? And almost 100% of the time, right, they'll, they'll rank them. They go off, have their first meeting with the franchisors, start learning a little bit. We do a call to debrief and I say, hey, rank them again for me now. And the rankings change. And a lot of times, whatever was the number three has jumped to number one. So it's really, and so I love, you know, that you guys kind of had a similar experience because I think one of the biggest pieces of advice I could give to anyone that's starting this process is keep an open mind, right? Mm -hmm. Keep an open mind and, you know, don't rule something out just because it's surface level, you know, it may not be what you would kind of imagined. And one of the points I really try to drive home to people is, you know, whatever the business is and in the vast majority of cases, right? Franchise businesses are designed to scale, right? So whatever the business is, whatever the product or the service or the widget is, it's typically not the franchise owner's role to be on the front lines providing that service, at least not long-term, right? There may be some of that in the beginning, depending on the business, but long-term, if you're building the business the right way, like we own an insulation business, right? I've never been in a client's attic. Yep. Not not my role, and I'm not really that well-suited for, for that type of a role. We have people on our team that are much better suited for that. So I'm going to go out on a limb, Justin, and say that, well, I don't think we even even mentioned it yet, and and maybe this will be a spoiler. But tell us which franchise you guys actually ended up moving forward with. You want to take that? Oh, sure. Yeah, we uh we did. We we, we went with the wild card. Um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe surprising. Maybe not surprising to someone like you who knows who knows how these things play out sometimes. Um, yeah. Yeah. We had uh after we sat down and looked at it, we thought through the day what it would be like with the brick and mortar. Um, it, it really started to make a lot of sense. And um, some of the things that actually the the franchise coach did not know about us, me specifically, is that I wasn't scared off at all by things like kickboxing or women only. I um, one of one of the things I did in the meantime between my military service and parenting was I took up martial arts as a hobby. Oh, really? Boxing, kickboxing, MMA. Um, I was just an amateur, but uh, really Justin, you got to really watch your step, bro. <laughs> He does. I, I, I sleep lightly. I mean, I know you're, you know, green beret, so badass in your own right, but yeah. watch your step. Yeah. No, I, I sleep with one eye open. Yeah. Yeah. I would too. Um, no, that's awesome. And, and you mentioned earlier that, you know, you would at, at one point in time thought about getting into the nutrition field and in, in somewhere or another. So this yeah. kind of health, fitness, nutrition, wellness, 
fitness and even women's only specifically, I, I have a personal training certification as well. And I specialized in pre and postnatal corrective exercise. So oh, wow. geared towards women. Yeah. Um, and I very, very part-time coached at a women's only fitness gym that a friend of mine, a fellow veteran, a fellow military spouse and mom that she created and ran in, uh, in North Carolina, it's called mama stay fit. And it's the coolest concept. That is and, cool. Um, so yeah, I just really had been part of that and, and passionate about it and enjoyed it. And, um, so this kind of, not that you have to be into the field that you're, you're working on the business, but, um, it really did fit for me on that side of things. Yeah, it's, it certainly helps. Right. I mean, I, I do try to stress to people that look, you know, you don't need to use things that you're personally passionate about as like the only filter, you know, that you're <laughs> running options through, but it sure as hell doesn't hurt. You know, if there's a business model that, that can make sense for you and, and give you the pathway to the lifestyle that you want. And in addition to that, you know, it kind of lands close to home with things that you're personally interested in as well. Mm -hmm. So that's really cool. But it sounds like the the coach you worked with didn't necessarily have all that information. Did not know. No. That's awesome. Funny how things work <laughs> out that way sometimes. So, but so what's the name of the brand? Just so everyone knows. Yeah. If, the, if you don't mind sharing. Yeah. The, the name is 30 Minute Hit. Um, it's it's a uh, originally a Canadian uh, brand. So it's yep. right out of Vancouver, Canada. Uh, still, still a Canadian brand. Um, they they started expanding in the U.S. Uh, a number of years ago. Um, I think they've got about twenty gyms or so yeah. in in the U.S. Okay, so um, decent foundation. Yeah, they they and had grow um, gro yeah growing growing pretty quickly. They they had um, they'd been in Canada since the the brand started in two thousand four when the founders opened the first gym, um, and they did they grown in Canada. Uh, but really we're, you know, we're looking to, to expand into the U S so, um, yeah, you know, when we, we did the, the initial call kind of got over the initial shock of a women's only kickboxing gym, but, you know, to our, our coach's credit, when, when we came back the second call after, after we had gone through the, the little discovery, you know, centers on online discovery centers, just like you said, we ranked order them. We still had the home-based service businesses ranked one and two, and then 30 minute hit is three. Yeah. Uh, and so when it came time for him to set up calls with the, you know, the brands, we went with the one and two, we said, Hey, we want to do the, you know, the, the home remodeling and then the, the home inspection. And to his credit, he said, Hey, look guys, like those are two very similar brands. Let's, let's go, let's, let's do a call with 30 minute hit. Um, just be, just so you can compare and contrast the two models, right? Yeah. It's and great so, advice. Yeah. So we, we ended up doing a call with the, the home remodeling business and then 30 minute hit, um, the initial call with 30 minute hit before the call, to be frank, I think we were both like, we're going to look for reasons to, to, yeah, we're going to phone this in like we're here, yep. but don't really have high expectations. Yep. Uh, but you know, within, I would, within a few minutes of talking to, you know, the woman that, that we eventually worked with to, to get into the brand, um, her energy, her excitement about the brand, the way she talked about the founders, um, the way she talked about the culture of the company, it started to really, like, there were a lot of similarities with me that were resonating mm. on, like, even like the special operations community. Yeah, and the, the 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 closeness of that community, the closeness of the thirty minute hit community, 
And so I thought, okay, you know, culture does matter to me, right? Like the culture of the brand and culture of the, the people that we're going to be working with is, is really, really important. Um, and so I thought, okay, like may, maybe there's more to this than, than we originally gave credit for. Well, I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned that. I just want to kind of highlight that quickly because it's something I find a lot of people don't maybe spend as much time thinking about as they're going through a process like this is that culture piece, right? Understandably, a lot of the questions that are really top of mind for people early in the process are financially related, right? I've never yet met someone getting into a franchise that's like in it for a nonprofit, right? Like we all want to make money through our businesses. That's a big component of it. So that's where I see a lot of people, the majority of their focus is on that, at least in the beginning. So the fact that you had this kind of realization, maybe that came from your your time in the army where especially special forces, you know, I imagine the culture's got to be so tight, you know, for, for it to work. But the fact that you were looking at that that early in the process um, is, is really, really good because it's so important. Yeah. And even if you don't get into franchising, you're just looking for, you know, a job, right? Like, yeah. You know, if you're, if you're just looking for a paycheck, there's plenty of people that are, that are willing to pay you quite a bit of money to be miserable, right. <laughs> to be, to do miserable work, to be on the road constantly. Uh, and to have a culture of, that's driven just by the bottom, you know, the, the, the bottom dollar, what, how much are you making me? Yep. Um, it's a much different lifestyle if you can find a company that is paying you well, but you you wake up every morning and you really enjoy getting out of bed and going to work for somebody. Yeah, the um, culture is just a good a good mesh all around. Yeah, but for for us, the the culture was important. That was an important component of what brand we chose, and not that the other brands didn't have a good culture, but the the culture and the energy that was coming from Thirty Minute Hit and the team. And eventually the validation calls that we did, um, the more calls we did, the more we realized, man, like this, this is going to be the one, I think. Yeah. Well, and that's interesting too, right? Because like you pointed out, I'm sure the other two brands didn't have like absolutely terrible cultures that would have been toxic, but you know, there was just certain things, especially as you kept going through the process that just kept resonating with you. And, you know, I, I tell people a lot of times there's there's kind of two sides to this equation of figuring out, you know, what brand's going to be right for you, you know, if franchising is the direction you want to go in. And there's the the logical side, right, which is the numbers. Do they make sense? Um, the lifestyle piece of it, right? What's our life going to look like if we own this business and does that line up with our vision for what we want our life to look like? But there's the emotional side of it, too. Right. And a lot of that comes down to gut feeling, you know, just in your gut, based on what you've learned, like which brand makes you feel the most excited, you know, which brand can you really sit down and visualize yourself in five years from now, 10 years from now. And that's actually an exercise I've had people do if they are really torn between two options and, and they're having trouble edging one out over the other as a, as corny as it sounds sit down and close your eyes and and try to imagine yourself five years from now and which of these two businesses feels better or, you know, makes you smile more. And, yeah. and a lot of times as, as simple as that may sound, if, if everything else is kind of equal, that can be your indicator that, Hey, this is the direction we should probably go in. Yep. Yeah. For us, it was, uh, I think we did a lot of that. Um, 
and we, uh, you know, we did, we ended up doing quite a few validation calls. Good. Um, and for, for folks that are listening, you know, that are thinking about franchising or that are in the process, I will say like, if you think you've done enough validation calls, do one more. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, so explain what a validation call is in case someone listening doesn't, doesn't, uh, understand the terminology yet. Yeah. So it's, um, the, you know, it's, it's calling current franchisees, um, and getting their, getting their take on what the, you know, what the brand offers, what the investment's like, what it, it's your, it's your opportunity to take what you've learned from the franchisor and apply it to someone that's actually running the business. And, you know, you're, you're initially going to be given, you know, a few folks from the brand, obviously to call, um, expand that further than that, right? Like, don't be afraid to, to, to pick up the FDD and look at the current operators and, yeah. and email them and, 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 you know, and, and, and get a good sense of, I, I would say like pick, pick people, pick franchisees that are the full gamut of work of operating, right? Like Absolutely. the ones that have been operating for 10 years and the ones that like just opened five months ago, yeah. because you're going to get a full gamut of, um, you know, feedback. Uh, and it's really going to be helpful. I think that ones people that invest in franchises, um, you know, the, the, the worst, the, the worst mistake I think you could make as a friend, as someone that's going to invest into a franchise and become a franchisee is to fall in love with the brand or the product and say, I'm going to own that brand because I love their sandwiches, right? Because owning a sandwich shop is much different than running a sandwich shop. Mm -hmm. Two completely different things. Two completely different things. And there's a high likelihood that within a year you hate those sandwiches because yeah. um, <laughs> you've, you've uh, been way too close to how they actually get made. Um, but no, I, the, the validation piece is I, I tell everyone it's the single most important part of the research. And, you know, look, good franchisors have really no incentive to try to you know, sell you something that, that the business is not. And and that's a conversation for another day in terms of, you know, why good franchisors aren't just trying to sell a franchise to anyone. Most have it structured as an awarding process where they actually have to approve you before you even have the option to move forward with, with investing in the franchise. Um, but I tell everyone it's, it's trust, but validate, right? So you, you take what you're learning from the franchisor, you trust it, but you still need to go out there and validate, you know, with the franchise owners that are actually in the business living it and make sure that what they're seeing in reality lines up with what you're hearing from the franchisor. And it's not always as, as black and white as that may sound either, right? I mean, any franchise organization, I don't care what business it is, how long the, the franchise system has been around, every single franchise brand has a bell curve, right? There's always going to be top performers, underperformers and everything in between. So like you mentioned earlier, Justin, you want to kind of talk to the full gambit, definitely, you know, get strategic on who you're talking to. Want to talk to a tenured franchisee, want to talk to someone that's newer, because they're going to be able to talk to you more knowledgeably about what the onboarding looks like, what the training looked like. A 10-year-old franchisee doesn't even remember training. It's a blur at that point, right? And hopefully the training's changed and evolved over time. So you know, you guys are are doing this as a husband and wife team. I would say, hey, go find some other husband wife team franchisees to talk to. Maybe you want to talk to someone that's in a similar kind of geographic area to you, right? Depending on the business. Um, but ask to talk to 
some underperforming franchisees as well. Obviously, it's great to talk to the top performers. You can learn a lot from them, but you can learn a lot from the underperformers too, right? And a lot of what you're picking. So, so that adds another layer to this though, right? Because especially as you're trying to really get a full picture of the financial opportunity, because franchisors are limited in terms of what they can say about the the financial opportunity they can't make earnings claims they can't guarantee that you'll make a certain amount of money or hit certain numbers uh they can give you averages they can give you some good data points for what the system has done but a franchisee can share their specific numbers with you right but again you got this bell curve in any system so you're going to hear in some cases some pretty dramatically different financial results right so in figuring all of this out that's why you need to talk to a range of people. You kind of establish what does great look like? What does poor look like? And in doing that, if you're asking the right types of questions, you should be able to figure out, okay, what are the top producers in this brand doing differently from everyone else, right? And that's when it's time to look in the mirror a little bit, do some self-reflection and say, all right, we kind of understand what separates the top performers how confident are we that we could operate this business in a similar manner to those folks? Right. And if you do that the right way, that's, that's how you can really, you know, kind of dial it in, but it's, it's not as easy as it may initially sound. There's kind of an art, you know, to going through that process the right way. And it, it takes some strategizing, right. You don't want to just jump on a call having not prepared, you know, for what you want to get out of the conversation with a franchise owner. Yeah. Um, and I would say, when you're doing your validation calls, like be very uh, methodical about the questions you're asking um, and, and don't be afraid to really, like you said, don't be afraid to dig into the numbers, right? Because, it, you know, the making money is important. It's not for us. It's, it's it, frankly, it wasn't the most important thing uh, sure. for reason we got into franchising, but at the end of the day, like it's, it's still important. Like it's still, yeah. you know, we still need the income. Uh, and so from a, a financial perspective, don't be afraid to ask the, the, when you validate, don't be afraid to like dig into the numbers. I, there wasn't a single franchisee that we talked to that wasn't, that, that wasn't an open book and said, Hey, here's how many members we have. Um, you know, here's how many members we had the first month. Here's how many, here's how long it took us to get to the first hundred. Here's how much I'm paying on rent. Here's how much I'm paying on utilities. And the more data you have available to you, because again, like the franchisee or the franchisor isn't necessarily going to be able to, to give you a lot of this information. And then, you know, they, they vary by market too, right? Sure. So you really yeah. have to do your homework and make an Excel spreadsheet, get really nerdy about it yep. and really like really dig into the, you know, like get, give yourself a good playbook. Yeah. Try to play, apply that over, you know, your, your current market. If you have one, we were fortunate. We had a, a gym in South Indy. So we were able to, to, um, you know, get some fairly accurate numbers for, for what our, our market was going to look like. Which is huge, right? Cause you know, with a, especially like a brick and mortar concept, you know, you want to get a sense of, you know, Hey, what, what can we expect our, our lease payments to look like build out costs? What type of compensation should we expect to, to pay employees? Cause that'll definitely all vary by market. And, you know, franchisors give you this kind of estimated investment range but in some cases it's a pretty wide range because they do have to account for anyone anywhere in the country that could invest in the franchise so you know sometimes you may be closer to the middle of that range or um 
you know, even on the lower end or the higher end, depending on where you are. Um, so that's really good advice. And, you know, in my experience, franchisees are very willing to open up, especially if they know that you've been through the proper steps in the process with the franchisor, right? We own two brands and I'll have every now and then like someone hit me up on LinkedIn or something and say, hey, I see you own this franchise. You know, I'd like to talk to you about it. First thing I do is reach out to the franchise development guy at that brand and say, hey, are you working with this person? And are they at the right point in the process to start talking to owners? Mm. And if they are, great, I'll make time for anyone, right? It's it's in a franchise owner's best interest to help the system keep growing. And in doing that, you know, that's going to give a franchise owner incentive to be an open book, but to also shoot people straight, right? And not sugarcoat any of it, right? Hey, yeah, this is the business you know, we're happy we did it. We would do it again, but there are some challenges. Here's the challenges we've run into. Here's advice I would give another franchisee starting this business today. Not in my best interest to try to convince someone that, you know, it's all roses and rainbows if you do this business and there won't be any obstacles to bust through because then they're going to have unrealistic expectations. They may fall on their face and that's not good for the brand. And that's not good for the brand. It's not, you know, making my business any more valuable. So um, there really is this kind of, uh, you know, mutual alignment, I guess, um, throughout this whole process. And I'm glad we kind of touched on that because I do see people kind of going into the research with their guard up where, you know, they just think that they're going to be sold, right? Mm -hmm. And there are franchises out there, honestly, that, you know, we call it the mirror test, right? They'll sell a franchise to anyone that can fog a mirror, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, those are the brands that, you you know, there's probably a reason for that, right? And you want to stay away from that. So, you know, if you really feel like you're being sold, um, that's probably a red flag in, yep. in my experience. Um, so anyways, uh, sorry for the tangent there, but those were a couple, <laughs> couple great things that you mentioned and I wanted to kind of highlight. Yeah. So I want to circle back to something because I, I know that this is my experience with a lot of people that I connect with and they have questions about franchising and there's some interest in learning about it. You know, you guys kind of went into this process with this franchise coach, you know, he takes you through his steps, which sounds pretty similar to my process. And then he recommends some brands, right? And then at some point you have to make a decision like, Hey, do we actually want to engage with these brands? which is not obligating you to anything, right? It's nothing more than you raising your hand and saying, hey, I know a little bit and I'm interested to learn more. But I guess at, at what point did you guys decide, hey, this is really worth us investing some time to explore? Because I know for the majority of the people I work with, when we have our first conversation, it's pretty exploratory for them at that point. They're like, yeah, this is, maybe something that's that that we're interested in really digging into but they're also evaluating some other options you know outside of franchising or maybe even outside of business ownership so you know did you guys have any hesitation to really kind of dive in and say look we're willing to invest some time and if so at what point did it kind of click where you're like okay this is worth really spending some time on so for for me it was um I I, I think internally, me specifically, it was, I, I had decided to, that franchising was going to be the route pretty quickly. Okay. Once I realized the opportunity more because, you know, I've been looking at the, 
the, you know, the, the rat race was staring me in the face. Right. Cause that's, that's the route I was headed. Yeah. And there was, there was a, a voice kind of continuing to get louder and louder in my head going, Hey man, like that's probably a bad move for you. Um, you're going to be, you're going to be miserable. I mean, you're going to make great money, but mm-hmm. you're probably going to be miserable. And then we're, you know, living in DC, you know, you, you make, you make a lot of money and then it all goes to a mortgage, <laughs> you know? So yeah, true. Um, Good point. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I realized, I recognized the opportunity, I think pretty quickly. And I thought, okay, I think franchising and business ownership is going to be the route. Um, I don't know how long it took Adrian to. Yeah, not, not too long. I think we had, you know, one advantage that we held was that we knew we were going to have retirement pension. We knew we were going to have some VA disability payments. And we also, at the same time, decided to move to a lower cost of living area. So we were a little bit more comfortable. It felt like a little bit less risk involved in that huge lifestyle shift uh, from a corporate job to a franchise or business ownership. Um, Yeah. That was an advantage for us, I guess. Sure. That's a, that's a fair point, right? And all things that, that need to be taken into account, right? Because with any business, there's going to be a ramp up period, right? There's going to be a period where you're not making money yet, depending on the business, depending on how well you execute, you know, that, that time to ramp is going to look a little bit differently. But, you know, one thing I'm curious about, and this may not really be a fair question or one that's that easy to answer, but I mean, it sounds like you guys did get to a point pretty early where you said, Hey, this, this is what we think we need to do. Do you feel like that ability to, to make a decision pretty quickly? Do you think your experience in the military helped you with just the mindset of being able to, to make, you know, what a lot of people would view as a tough or scary decision, you know, pretty quickly? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, one of the, one of the traits that, you're selected for, and if you don't have it right away, it's going to get, you're going to learn how to get it pretty quickly is to be pretty decisive. Yeah. Uh, particularly in, in the career field that I was in. Yeah. Um, and so, and and not decisive in a reckless sense, right? Like, um, you know, when you're, when you got to be decisive on a, on a combat operation, like you got to be decisive, but you also know that like the decisions you make are good, are going to lead to some, you know, potentially life and death, life and death. Right. So it's got to be calculated, but it's got to be quick right but you gotta you know and i think in in the military and particularly in in combat arms special operations you're making decisions without ever knowing fully what's going on yep and it's the (laughs) same in in franchising and you got to get really comfortable in the military with making decisions knowing 50 60 70 percent of what's actually going on understanding Mm -hmm. that some of that 50 or 60 percent of what you think is going on is actually an assumption that may or may not be true Yep. And still being comfortable with making decisions and, and going into deciding to, to, to go into franchising or business ownership is, is really similar, right? Like if you, if you as a potential franchisee, someone that's, that's looking to invest in a franchise, if you think you're going to wait until you know all the facts before you invest, you're going to drive your consultant nuts and you're <laughs> It's probably going to drop you because it's going to be years, right? You're never. Yeah. Gonna- you'll, you'll, you'll kick the can down the road, you know, forever. So that's, that's kind of what I was getting at. Right. And thankfully with business ownership and and franchising, it's not, you know, life and death like it is in the military, but 
that ability to be decisive and make calculated decisions based on whatever information you have, right? You're never going to know exactly what the outcome is going to be. Um, but being able to make a decision instead of just kind of waffle or get paralyzed, that's key to success, obviously in the military and business ownership as well. So I think it's one of many things that do, you know, set veterans up for a lot of success as business owners. Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, the, along with, with being decisive is, um, I lost my train of thought, but Probably willing to accept some risk. Yeah. I think risk management yeah. is a huge aspect in the military. You know, what, what is likely to happen? What is, what are you comfortable with happening? And, um, I mean, there's risk associated with everything, especially when you're changing careers, but, um, just something, at least for us, that was completely unknown. Um, we had to decide how much risk we were comfortable with. And that's, and that's a great point. Trusting that trusting in your ability to operate too, right? Like making the decision, having half the information you think you're going to, you're going to have, but then trusting your, your, you know, and for us, it was because we were going in this together. We, we trusted each other like, okay, Hey, like we're not going to know everything going into this. There's going to be a lot of unknowns, but we're, you know, we're, we're, we trust ourselves enough to once we kind of own the process, we're going to, we're, we're going to figure it out. We're going to, we're going to make, you know, other decisions based. Yeah, we've got it. And, 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 it, you know, I would say for a potential franchisee, you have to have confidence that you're going to make it work. Right. If you don't have that. Absolutely. Yeah. If you don't have that in the back of your head, they're like, Hey, regardless of, of, you know, the unknowns, like an unknown is going to pop up and we're going to figure it out. If, if you don't have that confidence, franchising is probably not right for you. Absolutely. That's golden advice. And, you know, at the end of the day, when you invest in a franchise business, obviously, you know, you're investing in the brand and the franchisor and the business model that they've built, all the support and resources that they provide to their franchisees. But you better be investing in yourself as well. You better be betting on yourself that, you know, when push comes to shove, you're going to figure it out because look, you know, spoiler alert for those out there listening that, you know, may have trouble making a decision and, and want to, you know, look at franchises for years on end, the perfect franchise does not exist. Nope. I'll let you know if I find <laughs> it, but I don't have very high hopes for that. Like you're going to be hard pressed to find a franchise or that if there are, I'm sorry, a franchisee, a franchise owner, that if they're being honest is going to say, yes, I approve of everything my franchisor does. And I don't think they could do anything differently or better. Like I could give you laundry list for both of the brands that we own of things that I wish were different, right? That the franchisor did more of, less of, did differently. Uh, any franchisee is going to have that same experience. And so I think coming into it with the mindset that, look, it's up to me or us, if we're going to be successful in this business. One of the biggest pieces of advice that that a mentor of mine gave me years ago, which has stuck with me, he's owned you know, a lot of different businesses over the years, some franchise, some not. He's had a lot of success. He's had some failures, but in particular to franchise ownership, he said, Wes, you've got to have the mindset that the franchisor cannot keep you from being successful. They can only help you be more successful. And that that really kind of sunk in with me, but I do see people, you know, get somewhat disappointed or deflated if on the back end of becoming a franchisee, things don't go perfectly or things don't go as smoothly as they would have anticipated. And, 
you know, curious your thoughts is that because you guys are still in the early stages working on getting your first location open, but you know, you are franchisees now you're into the process. So I'm curious your experience, but what I've seen with the businesses we've invested in people I've helped get into franchises is it doesn't matter how thorough you are on the research until you're in it, you're never going to fully know what it is to be in it. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we're, we're, when we haven't even opened doors yet, right. We, yeah. We just, we literally just signed our lease today, right? That's so we, huge though. That's a big step. Congrats. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, going to things like, you know, get, finding a commercial space and signing a lease, right? Like we've, we've moved around a lot. We, bu- we bought some homes, we've rented a bunch of homes. So we're thinking like, oh, you know, we, real we've, real estate is real estate. Yeah. Real estate is real estate. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll be able to sign a lease in a couple, a couple weeks, you know, and like, and even in the, you know, the brand, the, you know, one of the things that the, our onboarder talked about was, hey, you know, finding a space and getting, getting to a lease is, is one of the lengthiest parts of, of opening this yeah. thing. And we're like, nah, we've, we've done this before, right? <laughs> yeah. Start to finish. I think it took like about three months. Oh, it's like months. Yeah. Yeah. About three months now. Which you know, is we, pretty quick, honestly. Quick, like yes. yeah. that is quick. That's really yeah. good. But those commercial leases are, are a whole nother ball game from, mm-hmm. you know, your typical residential yeah. lease um yeah so i mean i i think i just think that mindset is is so important you know in particular to a franchise right it's not the franchisor's job to build your business um you know one of the best analogies i've i've used this on the podcast before so sorry to anyone that's hearing this for you know a second or third time but best analogy i've ever heard to sum up franchising and and why it works is the what i call the bicycle analogy right so it is the franchisor's job to build the best bike that they can, right? And you got all different types of bikes out there, right? For different purposes, right? So that's kind of, you know, what you guys have been describing is the process you went through, right? The the business that's right for me is not necessarily going to be the business that's right for you. So you got to choose the vehicle that's going to help you get to where you want to go, right? But franchisor's job to build a very high quality bike, right? Aerodynamic, sturdy, got all the bells and whistles, Um but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how nice of a bike it is. It goes absolutely nowhere if someone doesn't get on it and pedal it, right? And you can get on the bike and you can kind of half-ass pedal it and, you know, you'll you'll go along, but you're not going to, like, win any races or break any records. Uh, or you can get on that thing and pedal your ass off and, and you can fly, right? Um, so that's the franchisee. Like, you got to decide, I'm going to get on this bike and I'm going to pedal it as hard as I possibly can. And so I think with that mindset, you know, if you've done a good job selecting the right type of business for you and done the research and you're confident in that piece of it, that's the formula for success. Yep. And, and to add to that analogy, well, the cool thing about, there's a lot of cool things about franchising, but one of the, one of the cool things is you don't even have to know how to ride a bike to be successful <laughs> yeah. at riding the bike, right? Because yeah. the franchisor is going to train you how to properly ride that bike. Yeah. He's gonna, they're going to give you a manual to how to properly maintain and ride that bike. And if you screw that up, they, they, you still have this corporate structure, this this headquarters that you can call and be like, "Hey, I really just screwed this yeah. up. What, what do I do?" Yeah, they got yeah, they, they got training wheels. So um, that's it, a common an- analogy, right? I hear a lot of people refer to franchising as a business with with training wheels, which I think in a lot of ways makes sense. And you do you have the support network, right? I mean, chances are, if you guys make a mistake in your business between the franchisees in Canada and the ones they have in the U S now, someone else is going to have run into that same issue, made that same mistake. So 
you know, they can't necessarily reverse that you made the mistake, but they can kind of say, hey, here's a playbook for how to, you know, get out of it and <laughs> and, yeah. and get back to where you need to be. And and curious to your thoughts on this, but I think that's another reason that, you know, veterans, people from the military can do so well in franchise businesses is because there is kind of that structure, which, you know, I've never been in the military, but from my understanding, that's a big part of it, right? Is you've got to kind of, be used to the structure and, and figure out how to, how to leverage that to your advantage. Yeah. Um, the, you, you, you know, and it, it is a, it's, it's almost a perfect analogy, right? Like in the military, you're given structure, you're given standard SOPs, you're given all these tools to, to help, you know, make something chaotic like combat as orderly as possible but at the end of the day, you got to take your element and you got to go in and, and, and fight. Right. And, you know, we, we've got a saying in the military, like, you know, all plans are great until first contact, until the first bullet shot. And then, yeah. and then whatever plan you have is out the window. But if you have this, the, the structure and the SOPs and the things that, um, that will help you make decisions quicker and think through that stuff um you're you're gonna be successful and it's the yeah. same with franchising right like the franchisor is gonna provide you with the playbook you're gonna get in your market you're gonna get your space you're gonna get whatever the infrastructure you need um get go, you know get that going eventually like that plan is is going to it, you can tailor that plan to to fit the needs of your particular market yeah um and not going rogue but you know, certainly staying within within the, the the bounds of the franchisor, but you know, you've got this playbook presented to you, and you've got this this structure behind you that's that's that, you know you you can call for help and you can call other franchisees and um, yeah the 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 idea of opening you know a business from scratch for me hey there's some people that would probably do really well that there sure you know but there's yeah. a, there's a lot of there's a lot of stats out there you know the the small businesses that don't make it and um, and I, I think that, you know, the, the, I've heard that the, the biggest reason why small businesses don't make it is they're undercapitalized. And that's because I think you, you know, they end up going with an idea of how much it's going to take to get this business going. Uh, and then they find out it actually takes a lot more, you know, and we're, we're finding that out now, right? Like there's, there's things that are associated with opening a business, whether it's a franchise or not, that are just, they're going to cost more money than you think it is. I mean, I've heard, yeah. you know, take whatever, the franchisor says it's going to take to, to get your business going and double it. Right. So that's because if you, if you don't do that and, you, and you're undercapitalized, you could really run into some problems. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, it's always better to, to be overcapitalized compared to what you think you're going to need. And then look, you know, if, if things take off and business starts cash flowing and you're able to cover ongoing expenses, then, I mean, you can pay yourself back you know, with, with the money that you had set aside for, cause that's where I see it in, in franchising where, cause you know, difference between a startup and a franchise is at least the franchisor is kind of giving you this range of like, Hey, based on our experience, it should be somewhere between here mm -hmm. and here. And that range typically in cover, you know, covers all the initial franchise fees, any expenses you should incur to get doors open and start operating. But then it's also going to cover, at least the first three months worth of operating costs. And that's where a lot of, I think, new business owners get it wrong is they anticipate like, hey, this is how much it's going to cost to start operating. But then they forget that, hey, we may not 
be cash flow positive in week one or month one or whatever the case mm -hmm. is. And depending on the business, it could be six to 12 months before you can realistically expect to, to see positive cash flow coming in so that you're not having to continue to fund at least some of the, the business expenses, um, you know, out of that kind of working capital that you had on hand. So, yeah, I think um, there really are a lot of parallels to, you know, franchising when it's done right. And, and, you know, being in the military, um, you know, we could probably do an entire podcast just on that topic yeah. alone. Um, but I want to hear a little bit about how you guys kind of did narrow it down and get to the point of saying, Hey, we're, we're confident that, you know, 30 minute hit is the, the franchise that we want to move forward. I know you said the validation calls and everything you were learning, the, the culture kind of resonated with you and it was just, you know, feeling like a fit, but how'd you get to the point of narrowing it down and saying, all right, let's, let's move forward with this. I think the, the passion we had for just, I mean, military as well, um, revolves around fitness. Um, and we just, between my background with the fitness and the martial arts and the nutrition and women's interests, and that just all kind of sparked a love for, we knew we were going to go in um, and, and love what we were doing and the mission we were sharing with our community and community in general. We, we also, when we moved to this city, we knew we weren't going to be moving every 18 months like we normally do. Um, we were going to be putting down roots and we were going to be just really connecting with people. And this mm -hmm. mission felt like something that was going to add benefit to our community and, uh, and share some of that with our, our new neighbors. <laughs> yeah, the, the calls initially with, um, you know, the 30 minute hit representative that helped us think through it, uh, the calls with the, the all the validation calls that we did um, really like it, it started really building momentum for 30 minute hit. It got to the point where after a few weeks of calls, we weren't really even talking to the, the other brands anymore. Yeah. Um, just because at that point, I think we had made our minds up. Yeah. We that, were kind of holding them to the standard of 30 minute hit and comparing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. we were compared, as, as opposed to what we thought was going to be the original where we were going to use 30 minute hit to justify why we want this other type of model. Right. Um, and so, you know, I think for us, it was, you know, um, from start to finish working with our, our consultant until we decided, until we had our, our final uh, approval call with the founders mm -hmm. where they awarded us um, two units. Um, I think it was maybe a couple months. It was, you know, it wasn't a really lengthy drawn out process. Mm -hmm. And I was, it, it may have even been quicker, but I was still in the process of transitioning out of the military and there's a lot associated with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just, um, culture, um, the excitement that people had for the brand, you know, and, and the financial prospects, the, the, the scalability that this brand and this model lends itself to, like, we knew that we wanted to scale. We knew that we wanted to be multi-unit owners, um, for brick and mortar. It's, it's one of the lower costs you can, you can find. Yeah. Um, and the, the brand does a, does a really good job of, you know, keeping the costs low to the point where, you know, even when we're, when we were talking through or going through different spaces and looking at different, different units, you know, like the, one of the founders, you know, it's, it's a husband and wife that, that, that founded the brand. Um, the wife is the one that approves the the sites, right. The location, yeah. she yeah. goes through like the specifics of square footage and layout and, um, 
you know, and she'll, she'll bring things up like, Hey, build out at this site compared to this site, you're, you're going to face, you know, less build out here. Um, and then the cost benefit for location doesn't necessarily equate to spending more money to build this. They're, they're just, they do a really good job of, of helping you, um, keep the investment low. Um, and so, yeah, just all that kind of, you know, kind of compiled to where we, we got to the point where we said, Hey, we're, we're ready. We were approved for, for two units. Um, and then we signed pr pretty quickly after that. That was actually a, we, we, it was delayed a little bit just cause we, we literally were moving from yeah. DC to Carmel, Indiana in the, in the process of this. Uh, you guys had a lot, a lot going on. Yeah. Changing everything. Yeah, yeah. we completely, completely changed everything. I mean, a year ago I was, you know, in the Pentagon wearing a uniform and, and, you know, now I got a beard and I'm living in Carmel, Indiana. That's you know. exciting though. <laughs> Random question. Do you guys find it ironic that you go from the military to owning a franchise that does somehow include combat and kickboxing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, but I think that that was part of the draw too, right? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. When I was going through my transition, um, I, I really enjoyed the small unit leadership part of my job. But as I was increasing in rank, that the opportunities for that were just less and less, right? Yeah. And and so you know the fact that we can own a business where we can you know we can have some we can have a small team, um, you know where it's a it's a business that revolves around fitness that that's that's not keeping me behind a desk that I'm I'm active um, that we're both active. Um, was just really exciting, but yeah, it yeah. is kind of ironic. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, I think it's, I think it's great, but that was something that popped into my mind as you were talking about combat earlier. And I'm like, yeah. well, now there's, they're still going to see combat, uh, yeah. you know, That's slightly why I got involved in the hobby to begin with. Yeah, exactly. Something to fill the void. <laughs> exactly. It makes sense to me. Um, so you guys are, as we've kind of mentioned early on, um, in the process of getting your first location or first unit, you guys have secured the rights to open a second location, you know, at some point in the future. Uh, for those listening, that's pretty common, um, you know, especially with these kind of brick and mortar concepts, uh, you know, usually hear them referred to as multi-unit development agreements. But uh, one misconception I sometimes run into when people hear that is, you're typically not trying to open multiple locations simultaneously. You're kind of on a development schedule with the franchisor, but it does give you the ability to, you know, grow your business beyond that, that first location. So, um, I mean, it's early, you know, for you guys, but I mean, what are some of the things you're most excited about, you know, starting this new chapter, um, you know, just based on what you've learned so far and, and your vision for, for what you're looking to build. For me, it's, um, it's lifestyle, right? We, yeah. It's lifestyle first. Um, the ability to, um, especially since we're doing this together, you know, the ability to, we're, we're burden sharing uh, the business side and, and the raising, and burden's probably a, a terrible term to apply to your kids. <laughs> they're, they're not a burden. Not hey, a man, burden. I got <laughs> I got two yeah. under two right now. Yeah. Burden yep. can be okay. Yeah, you're, you're burden can yeah. be appropriate. It's yeah. not always, but yeah. it can be. Uh, but that that's for me. That's the most exciting part of it is I get to kind of participate in you know some of the the child rearing um, on, on our terms. You know, yeah. Adrian gets to get back into to the to the workforce, um, creating jobs in a community, like investing in the community, like 
it's all things that we're, we're, we're really excited about. Uh, and, and like the, you know, building something that, um, that will provide uh, a level of income that will, will lend itself to, to live in a pretty good life. Right. Like yeah. we're not necessarily looking to, you know, become, you know, the, these uh, a big, massive, you know, we're not looking to, to create big, massive wealth, but being a multi-unit owner for this brand, uh, if done right, we, we, fully anticipate doing it right um we'll we'll, we'll provide a, an income that will make us pretty pretty comfortable well and you've mentioned something a few times throughout this conversation where you know the other route that was kind of in front of you this more corporate route you know you felt pretty confident that wasn't going to lead to you being you know the happiest version of yourself right and so i think you know when we talk about wealth that means different things to different people, right? We, we all know people that make a lot of freaking money and they're not that happy and they don't even really have time to enjoy any of it. Right. Because they're, they're just grinding so hard. And so I think, you know, with a good franchise business, you should be able to have a very healthy income. uh, But at the same time, you know, have a great quality of life. If you build the business the right way. And a lot of that comes down to, now, not only the type of business you get into, but, you know, your ability to build a team and delegate to that team. Again, you know, the military experience, perfect, you know, translation to to the business world there, because um, that's how you can keep scaling. And it's it's kind of counterintuitive for some people. But, you know, if you're doing it the right way, your business should over time generate more income for you with less input from yeah. you, you know, at least in terms of man hours. So, um yeah, it's it's exciting. I'm really really happy for you guys and excited to see, you know, what you build and and um, you know, I know it's going to be be a great experience for you. You know, a couple last things and then then I'll let you get back to your day, but you know, looking back on it now, what advice would you give to someone that, you know, was maybe in a similar situation to where you guys were a year ago? Um, you know, military or not, but at a point where there was kind of a fork in the road and there was going to be some sort of a transition, um, what advice would, would you give to someone if, you know, maybe the idea of business ownership has, has kicked around in their head a little bit? Yeah, we mentioned it, but do a values assessment. You can Google values assessment and the best, the best ones I've seen just gives you a, a ton of, you know, hundreds of different values. And, really start circling the ones that resonate with you, you know, when you read them um, and then narrow those down to about five, right? Um, understand your values, understand what that means. And, and then understand what, what is a good, what is a really good day for you look like? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, but if you're, if a really good day for you is, is, is the corporate student tie, like that's genuinely like that's, you know, you value status, you value titles, you value income, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like, don't definitely not think that. Yeah, don't don't think that there's something wrong because there's not. No, um, go that route, go the corporate route. But if if it's not, you know, and you're you're going down the corporate route or you're going down the the suit and tie route, and there's just something nagging at you, it's probably those values that you don't you haven't fully like assessed yet, telling you like, hey, there's there's something there's something else that we can be doing. Um, and then, you know, um, reach out to, you know, someone like you or, or just just someone that, that knows more about franchising, knows more about business ownership, just educate yourself, right? Yeah. Like get, get creative with what you can do. 
Um, you know, and I'm hoping that that some some guys that are in the military that are in my network are listening to this. And um, if you're facing that transition point, you know, that I was at about a year, year and a half ago, don't corner yourself into thinking you have to do, you know, what you've seen other people do. Um, like you, you can get creative with your transition and you, you'd be surprised the the opportunities that are out there if you just open your mind a little bit and open mm -hmm. your mind change your mindset about what uh what your life can look like um and then at some point like if you do talk to you know if you if you're if you get in the process and and, and franchising resonates with you um you know just do it like if you've got if i mean particularly for military right like you're you're going to be leaving with a pension yeah. you're going to be leaving you, you've got some money coming in so you you have you have this buffer that's provided that a lot of people don't have, that's and true. if it's something where you you genuinely want to do, hey, at some point you just got to say I'm doing it, and then trust in yourself and and your partner that you guys are going to be good operators and you're going to make it work. Yeah, I think it's all good advice, Adrian. Anything you'd add to that? All of that, and then <laughs> uh, just try to let go of some of the fear that's out there. Let go of what your ideas of success might look like, and. Give it a shot. Yeah. Well, look, it's, I mean, fear is something that it's there, right? If you're making any sort of a life-changing decision, if you're making any sort of, or even contemplating doing something that's going to take you outside of your comfort zone, you know, I call it FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, right? It's there. Anyone that tells you it's not, it's full of it. Um, you know, and so like we talked about earlier, right? It's not making a rush decision and you know, putting it all on black and hoping for the best. It's, you know, gathering information, assessing the information and then making a calculated decision uh, or a calculated risk. And so I think that's great advice. I mean, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I've got 30 minutes for anyone that has questions about franchising. I don't care where it goes from there. Happy to help someone that's interested to dig deeper than that. But um, because I know it can be intimidating, right? I mean, the, the process that you guys laid out that you went through, it's an extensive process, right? And it does require an investment of your time to do it the right way. So that's intimidating for some people, especially if it's just, you know, very exploratory. So, uh, you know, like Justin did when he started taking advantage of some of these resources that the military provided as he was transitioning out, just, start educating yourself. And, and I've said it numerous times, many times on this podcast, franchising is not for everyone. It's certainly not the only vehicle out there for creating freedom for yourself and the type of life that you want, but it's a very good vehicle for a lot of people. Uh, so whether it's franchising or something else, at least do yourself, do right by yourself and, and educate yourself on, you know, what other opportunities are out there that you may not already be thinking of and then you know find people that that are experts or know more than you do and and just learn from them and soak it up so um yeah i'm sure that this this will resonate your story your experience that you shared with us will resonate with a lot of people i'm sure you know a lot of people with military backgrounds like yourselves but also just you know other people that are you know maybe looking to make a a big change in their life so I really, really appreciate you guys making the time. I'm so glad that we connected and and look forward to staying in touch and, um, you know, helping any way that I can, but also learning from you guys. But uh, really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, 
any any last minute things that you want to share or are you okay sharing like how folks could connect with you if they maybe want to pick your brain and, and learn a little bit more from you? Yeah, I'm always happy to to take a call. Um, so uh, LinkedIn is probably the best spot to, to find us. Okay. Um, yeah, just look up Justin Crocker. I'll post um, it in the show notes too. I'll yeah. post your, your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. And I don't think we ever even said uh, you guys are in Carmel, Indiana, should have your first 30 minute fit opening up around the first of the year, hopefully early yeah, we're 2023. Hoping to, we're hoping to open up uh, uh, early 2023. Yeah. Uh, so if you're, you know, in Carmel uh, and you're a woman and you want to, yeah. you want to things. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a, a prerequisite, <laughs> but Hey, it's yeah. 2022, right? I mean, who yep. knows? Uh, <laughs> you might have a wider demographic than you initially thought. Um, I digress. So, well, look, Good luck to you guys. Congratulations on taking the steps that you have. I mean, you know, you've done something that that most people, you know, even if they have the desire to, the 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 courage isn't necessarily there to to take these steps. So, you should be very proud of yourselves for that. And um, you know, very very excited for you guys. So, I'm here to help if there's anything I can possibly do. But uh, really appreciate the time today. This was great. Right on. Thanks, Wes. Thank you. Great to meet you, Wes. Thank you. So you much. got it. You got it. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.